When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, Eric Bischoff here to talk to you about my friends over at SaveWithConrad.com. Are you looking to get out of debt? Conrad and his team can make that happen faster than me firing the hockey talk man. Wow. And you know that controversy creates cash, right? Do you know what doesn't create cash? Credit card debt. Save with Conrad can help you consolidate high-interest credit cards and all of your other debt into one low monthly payment. They can even help you get the cash you need for home improvements or anything else. They've helped 83 weeks listeners save 500, 600, 700, even $800 a month. Seriously, your papers are going to go down faster than nitro ratings in 2000. Ouch! And how about this? No house payments for two months. That's right, no house payments for two months. And unlike the dirt sheets, man, the reviews do not lie. With over 1,000 five-star reviews, find out for yourself how much Conrad and his team can save you by checking out SaveWithConrad.com today. Be grateful you did. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Woo! Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Grilling JR with the voice of professional wrestling, Mr. Jim Ross. Jim, how are you, man? I'm good. I'm in Oklahoma. I'm happy and uh, feeling pretty good today, so we should have a hell of a a recording session here. Hopefully, we will. Jim probably uh, looks and sounds a little different. We are uh, using the old iPad today, having a little... uh, uh, situation normal over there with, uh, computers every now and again, it feels like they're our best friends at times and our worst enemies, but we are committed to bringing you new content <laughs> every week we can, and we're making it happen today. That's we're right. About brawl for all, but before we do, we got to get an update. We heard about your, uh, your American badass of a doctor there in Oklahoma. You're in Oklahoma and we've seen, you got to hang out with your OU buddies. How's your visit to uh, Oklahoma been? It's been good. The chiropractor visits have been uh, very uh, well-timed. I've got another one later today. I'm sore as hell. feel like I got beat up, but this uh, is pushing and prodding and twisting and so forth. But I've gotten some good timely relief on the sciatica, which is a bitch. And those of you that uh, have had experienced it know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, you go day, sometimes you go... I went like three days, three days and I couldn't walk. I crawled or I limped or I pulled myself here or there. Have me, I got me a walking stick. God damn, I hate that. So anyhow, uh, it's better. And uh, my uh, radiation wound is, seems to be healing, but it's just so slow. And they're very concerned about infection, which I don't want to get that infected because that's just not, that's not good business. So I'm on some heavy ass antibiotics. Uh, and one more treatment today, then I'll fly back to Jacksonville on Thursday, as we were talking here today and, uh, and move on. So it's all good. And then last night, as we were talking, 
uh, we had there's every year one of my buddies owns a bunch of restaurants uh takes one of his steakhouses called red rock grill and we had a coach's party there last night as you can tell by my eyes uh and uh there's for that picture on twitter i sent out with uh coach switzer toby keith and myself surrounded by red solo cups for a good reason <laughs> <laughs> so Toby's been battling cancer. He's lost a lot of weight. He's undergone uh, chemo and radiation. I didn't have to do chemo. Thank God. So I had fun with those guys last night and coach Venables and the whole staff was there. Give a little update on the team, their positions and so forth. So it was a fun night, great big stakes and, uh, living decadently Conrad. You'd like the stakes. I can promise you they were, great big old ribeyes and they were nice nice <laughs> well i'm glad to hear you're uh, home and having fun and hopefully uh the doc continues to work on you i i had maybe one of the most interesting weekends ever jim it was my first visit to waterloo iowa it won't yeah. be my last visit what a cool weekend uh we got to uh, bring some more awareness to that because you know i'm such a big wrestling fan and i've been to all these other things but i hadn't been there and now i'm wondering why did I wait so long? What a right. cool little spot that is. I, uh, I really enjoyed myself. I, I am so happy for you and proud of you for all, cause you do so much for the professional wrestling business, Connie. And, and, uh, I don't think you get the hugs as the kids say that you deserve. <laughs> so, uh, I'm I was really happy for you. It's a very low key event. It's a very fan friendly event and good people are, are managing it and running it. So it's, uh, I'm a, I'm a big, uh, fan of Waterloo, Iowa and what they represent to the wrestling world. So, uh, maybe some of these times when I'm, my health's better, we can make that trip together. I look forward to it. I look forward to it. And I'm looking forward to today's topic. We're talking about the summer of 1998. We're going to be talking about brawl for all. But before we do, we should mention the other thing that was happening in 1998, at least on the other channel, is the infiltration of the NBA. We had Carl Malone in a tag team match against Dennis Rodman. And Dennis Rodman was just announced as one of our featured guests at StarCast in Chicago Labor Day weekend on the 25th anniversary of his historic Bash at the Beach match that same summer. So make plans to join us, S-T-A-R-R-C-A-S-T.com. We've still got a handful of hotel rooms available. You want to talk about uh, wrestling playland Man, just wake up, go downstairs. Ta-da. There you are. You're right in the mix of all the panels of all the legends of all the current stars of AEW. It's starcast.com on Friday, September 1st, Saturday, September 2nd, and Sunday, September 3rd. Make plans to join us now. One bracelet gets you access to all the panels, all the meet and greets, the whole thing. And, uh, I think you're going to have a good time. That's S T A R R C A S T.com. Uh, let's talk about brawl for all, man. I can't believe this is real. We're fresh off a of King of the ring and in, in, in June of 1998, as we roll into July, the product seems to be hotter than ever. Stone cold, Steve Austin versus Mr. Mac man has really set this territory on fire again in April. Uh, WCW has responded over that summer and in, in July, they're going to run the Georgia Dome and crown Goldberg as his undefeated streak continues, even against Hollywood Hogan. So he's now carrying the big gold belt. It's a hot time for wrestling. And right in the middle of that, you guys are trying something 
we've never seen before and maybe for good reason brawl yeah. for all how do you remember that topic first coming up jim well i actually when i first heard the concept uh i was intrigued i was curious uh little did i know it would be such a disaster with so many injuries medical bills talents getting embarrassed uh it didn't have an upside you know uh i think it was a very poorly kept secret that mark gunn was the cream of the crop uh even though many of my detractors thought that i had loaded the tournament so dr destine williams could win it and uh, that's total bullshit. and uh, i had nothing to do with the bracketing or who fought who or whatever but uh it's a good story but it's just not accurate so uh, once we got involved in, in Brawl for it all, I realized that we had, uh, we kind of had an issue on our hands because it just wasn't, these guys were not trained to do that. Uh, they had these clunky ass gloves. So the wrestling guys were handicapped. Uh, the boxing guys were, they weren't used to being in that world. So it was, uh, it, it was soon to, it was easy to see Conrad in the early going that we were potentially on a disastrous course. And as time went on, uh, that was, that proved to be true. It's interesting because I think a lot of people may not remember, but Dr. Death actually came in and worked for you guys in April of 1998. Uh, I guess this was maybe just taking a look because he did hop back over to, uh, Japan and, and, and finished up some shows with all Japan. But then he's going to, I guess, make his television debut as a part of this brawl for all. How did, how was this decided that he would be a part of this? Like, you know, the rumor and innuendo, and I'm sure we'll talk about this a lot more in other episodes, but the rumor and innuendo is that he was going to be a top challenger for this new stone cold, Steve Austin run and era that we were entering. And. I mean, I, I certainly don't doubt his credentials as a badass amateur athlete, et cetera, et cetera. But this is an unconventional way to bring somebody to TV. Is it not? Yes. Yeah, unique, unique way to get him started. Uh, you know, he was certainly had the qualifications. He was a legitimate four-time all American in division one wrestling. So he wasn't a joke. Uh, he just didn't, you know, fall off the turnip truck of, uh, he was a badass, but, uh, Little we know it was going to end up in such a disaster. And, uh, the tab on the medical bills for these guys was horrible, horrendous. And the reason I know that it came out of the talent relations budget and I was in charge of talent relations. And, uh, so anyway, it was just, a, uh, we just looked at it as a unique way of introducing doc. The goal was if we could get there, if we could get there was to get a one-off with uh, doc versus Austin. But you know, we never got that far down the road. It just, it blew up on us. We should at least mention that, uh, about that is they, uh, they're both Steve Williams in real life. I mean, yeah. I've always been fascinated by that, that both of these cats that we're thinking are on a collision course here, their driver's license says the same name. And I'm sure that. Uh, you know, there was some connective tissue with, with their style of wrestling and, and a lot of other things. We never get to see that, 
And I'll be honest, I never thought we would see Brawl for All. Like, just to put it put this in the context, for years and years, WWE never didn't run New Jersey for a long, long time because they were trying to avoid that athletic commission tax. And so SummerSlam 97 is like this huge return and and and, and a huge house. And we even get the governor on the pay-per-view to sort of thank her for what she did and, and bringing light to the fact that, Hey, this is entertainment more than sport, but now less than a year later, we're going to start having real sport in the middle of our entertainment show. Do you remember the tax discussion being discussed around brawl for all? Yeah, casually, but that was kind of out of my pay grade. We knew we had to make an adjustment there and get some relief on that from the state administration. And that was kind of easy to obtain. Uh, they're very supportive. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was just a nightmare. So many not at every turn in the road, it seemed like we had to make some adjustments. Uh, and it was just cumbersome is awkward. Uh, but there was a lot of interest in it. I don't know how, I don't know exactly how the ratings uh, performed this far long ago, but I do know that, uh, uh, it, it had its moments, but do you know anything you, did you, in our research? Did you see about enough ratings? Yeah. I mean, ratings are still going to be hot during this time, I, but I think at that point, man, you probably could have put literally whatever out there and the ratings were going to be there. Like, you know, when you're hot, you're hot. Momentum's a real thing. Yeah. But, but one of the things that is, uh, is interesting to me is the story that Vince Russo has put out. That essentially brawl for all was born because JBL was being a bully and he wanted to shut him up. And I guess maybe there were some <laughs> backstage shenanigans. We all know that JBL was one of those boys will be boys kind of guys. Uh, and you know, when that narrative gets out there, I'm sure some guys at least start to whisper, oh yeah, if this were a shoot, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You remember JBL being at the center of controversy that maybe led to this idea. Well, yeah, John was, uh, was somewhat controversial. There's no doubt about that. He was very verbal. Didn't mind speaking his mind. And, uh, he always knew where John, where he was as far as his philosophy or his mindset or what have you. So he was a, I don't know if he was the catalyst, you know, Russo's got his story and, and I'm not knocking it cause I don't know. Uh, but. Yeah, John was uh, very vocal, and I'm thinking he was a good target for a lot of the guys who wanted to, in a way, without getting themselves in trouble, uh, shut him up. Well, let's talk about the uh, the rules, if you will. It's three one-minute rounds, and there's 20-ounce gloves, which uh, is a lot different than what you would see in a, a UFC-style glove. UFC and- gloves are four ounces. And, and, and takedowns are legal, but the wrestlers would be immediately stood up to eliminate ground fighting or submissions. Do you think you guys were doing that to differentiate yourself from MMA or UFC specifically, or did we take the stance of, Hey, that's not going to be that interesting from a television viewer perspective. We should just stick to, uh, to strikes and takedowns. Well, I think we tried to, we wanted to make it as safe. If that's, that doesn't sound too stupid. But I think we wanted to make it as safe as we could try to eliminate uh, the pitfalls of ground fighting and so forth and so on. It, 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 it resembled a well-produced tough man fight. Yes. In my opinion. 
those great big gloves are so awkward. Uh, and they were 20 ounces were huge. Uh, and it, it just, it was done for safety, quite frankly, if that makes any sense. It sounds hypocritical, but I think that the rules were designed to be as safe as we could allow them to be within this concept. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. So they're going to have corner men who can throw in the towel as well. And, uh, you at least start using Danny Hodge as the referee. Uh, he's going to be used as the in-ring referee for the first two brawls and referee Jack Doan will be used, uh, for the in-ring referee. And then eventually Hodge gets moves over to the uh, judges table. Why the use of Hodge is this feels like a, a has JR's fingerprints on it. Is that fair to say? Well, that, yeah, that was, that was my idea. Well, look. Danny Hodge, in my view, is the greatest, was at that time, was the greatest living wrestler. He was a, uh, he never lost in college. He won three national championships. Uh, he went to two Olympic games. He was the national Golden Gloves boxing champion. So he had been around the game uh, and uh, was just, you know, he was, he, he was comfortable in the ring. Uh, his issue was he was getting up there in age a little bit, uh, and he wasn't a popular choice to be the referee, uh, because of his age and, and the, the idea that nobody's going to hear of him. This is the same company that didn't, that didn't want you to mention the names of the referees in the regular matches. So I didn't understand what the big issue was other than, uh, people being happy to, uh, go against my creative in that respect, what creative I had to, to contribute to. So Hodge was, a, I thought he was the logical, I mean, my God, he's, his accolades and who he was. I mean, the, the, the Heisman trophy for amateur wrestling is called the Dan Hodge award. He's well-respected internationally. He's a huge star in Japan back in the day. Uh, you know, just, and this, this shooting ability, is legendary. Uh, I don't, I, I've never been around a pro wrestler that I thought could manhandle Dan Hodge. Uh, you know, I asked Lou Thess one time about Dan Hodge. Lou was talking about all these shooters, just meeting and shooting a breeze. And I said, you know, he, he named all these tough guys. And of course Lou's go-to was a short, was the double, uh, double wrist lock, which the announcers today love to call a Kimura. It is a Kimura. But first, it was a double wrist lock. And a double wrist lock is a Kimura. Uh, so, but that's just a trend. That's being artsy, I guess. Uh, so, uh, I, I thought Hodge is a good selection. Vince didn't, it, it, you know, somebody in the in, in inner circle, you know, these guys are likely to remain nameless and faceless. Uh, so, I, I uh, it, it was just not a fun experience, Conrad. It wasn't a fun experience for me personally. Once we got in our toe in the water, 
saw how cold or warm the water was, depending on your perspective, uh, it got to be very cumbersome. Well, let's just give some context to when this is happening too. the first taping of this, the first uh, episode, if you will, of brawl for all is the night after King of the ring in Cleveland. As a reminder, that's the show where we threw Mick Foley off the hell in a cell. So you're contrasting pro wrestling stunts at their most over the top crazy. And now the next day we're doing brawl for all where there's a takedown that's worth five points. A knockdown is worth 10 points. A knockout ends the match. No actual wrestling holds are legal at a wrestling show. And whoever delivers the most punches in a round would get five points. And our first matchup is pretty damn intriguing. It's Mark Marrow and Steve Blackman. And everyone listening to this by now knows that Mark Marrow was a legit golden gloves boxer. And we all know that Steve Blackman is a legit mixed martial artist. So I see why this would be interesting, but I wonder from a philosophy standpoint, Jim, does it take you out of watching everything else on the show? Like I realized by 1998, everyone knows that wrestling is maybe more entertainment than sport, but it almost is going to show you like a, a shining example of, okay, now this is real, but everything else on this show, maybe not so much. Yeah, I know that might be overthinking it a little bit to me. Uh, we're not discover, we're not uh, revealing any major secrets. I mean, if you had a common, you had any common sense, you know the wrestling, pro wrestling, uh, and for the last zillion years has been entertainment based, athletic entertainment, and uh, to me that's a that's what the brawl for it all was supposedly, athletic entertainment. It's just that you, you put your talent in a, on a national stage on live national television that goes around the world and they were not trained or ready for this environment because in this, within the confines of the rules, this match had never, never, never happened on a pro wrestling show. So in that respect, it was new. Uh, it was looked at upon as fresh. I looked at it as a fresh concept. Uh, so. I, uh, it had a lot of personalities. It was very, uh, um, you know, multi-personality, personality disorder, I think. So, but it was just a fait accompli. It was just, I think a lot of us after, you know, I talked to, I, somebody's going to talk to these towns. A right. lot of them felt like they'd been embarrassed. Yes. Some of them thought they'd been set up. Some of them thought the fix was in on this thing. It was, there are all kinds of stories. This thing had its own personality and, uh, I don't know how good that was. Well, I know how good Henson is. And let me just tell you, if you haven't already, you need to pick up a Henson razor. JR and I believe in Henson shaving and we think you will too. We both love that. It's a family owned aerospace parts manufacturer. See making razors. Wasn't the original plan. These cats made parts for the international space station and the Mars Rover, but now they're using their aerospace grade CNC machines to make razors that are thinner than a human hair 0.0013 inches to be exact. You see that allows you a vibration free shave. It's going to reduce the wobble that creates nicks and cuts and scrapes. And by the way, this razor actually has built in channels to evacuate hair and cream 
and that makes clogging virtually impossible. If you're watching on YouTube, you take a look at this razor and you recognize, oh man, that looks pretty old school. It is. It's the same type of old school dual edge razor that your grandfather used, except it's got new age tech. Nobody ever saw a razor that was thinner than a human hair back then. And what they've done with Henson shaving is they've dedicated themselves to making the best razor, not the best razor business. Let me explain. If you were making the best razor business, well, you'd have something proprietary that only worked on your product. Technically you could go get a regular double-sided blade and use it in your Henson razor. But why would you? Because you know that these thinner, I'm talking about super thin razors are going to give you the best shave of your life. So it's that old school feel with the benefits of new school tech, but with no gimmicks, there's no plastic, there's no proprietary blades, there's no planned obsolescence. Hey, and there's no subscriptions. How about that? You see, once you own a Henson razor, you're talking about buying the razor one time. This is a razor that'll last you a lifetime. Now it's up to you to replace the blades. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, that's where they get you because you've been to the drugstore and you've seen where they keep the razor blades under lock and key. That is not the case with Henson. You see the razor blades here are just three to $5 a year. That's right. Three to $5 a year. Let's say no to subscriptions and say yes to a razor that will last you a lifetime. Visit HensonShaving.com slash JR to pick the razor for you and use the code JR. And buddy, you're going to get two years worth of blades free with your razor. Just be sure to add them to your cart. That's 100 free blades at H-E-N-S-O-N-S-H-A-V-I-N-G.com slash JR. And be sure to use the code JR, HensonShaving.com slash JR. I love a good clean shave. I love, uh, uh, I don't like shaving. I'm like everybody else, uh, quite frankly. But when I do shave, which is somewhat regular, uh, you know, you get, you get this old ego going on and you don't want all those gray whiskers popping out like they are right here. So, uh, but you, I've never not got a great shave ever. There no miscues, no nothing. So it's a hell of a deal, folks. Uh, two years of free blades. That's money. That's money. So check it out. Henson slash JR. And uh, they will take care of you and, uh, and, uh, and we'll make sure of it. Well, we'll make sure to talk about Mark Miro and uh, Steve Blackman. As a reminder, Blackman's going to control the match. He's going to take Mark Miro down at will. That's going to prohibit Mark from really inflicting any damage and showing off his boxing skills. Blackman's holding his own standing up, but he can take him down whenever he wants. He, he winds up winning the decision and his next fight is going to be against Mark Canterbury. And, uh, he's been most recently known as Henry Godwin. And he's going to be taking on Bradshaw. Uh, Bradshaw is going to uh, get the win by decision, but it's almost like it could have been a draw because Canterbury gets a takedown. I don't know. It's kind of hard. Fans are chanting either boring or we want wrestling. I mean, listen, I, I appreciate that we're trying new things, but how quickly did you realize, Hey, uh, this idea is a miss. We got to put this thing to bed as soon as we can. Oh, during the first fight. Yeah. Dur during the first fight, it looked awkward. Uh, looked like it was something was a miss. Just didn't seem to, and maybe that was the booking. Maybe that was the, the pairing. I don't know, but it, it just didn't seem like a good fit, Connie. And, uh, I think that concept, that theory, that idea, that sentiment 
was proven out very clearly as this tournament uh, proceeded. It was discussed on Dark Side of the Ring that finding guys to participate here was challenging because I'm sure on the one hand, you've got guys who might not have a lot of confidence in their amateur skills, and maybe they're worried, hey, if I don't put on a good show here, this is going to hurt my standing. AKA, it feels like at times you guys were looking for, for talent who felt like they had nothing to lose. Like the company's not doing much with me. Maybe this is something that could yeah. work. Were you having to do that sort of sell job? Yeah, at times, no doubt. Uh, that, that, yeah, absolutely. And, and talking to, I don't think I can recall any specific event that we promoted that took as much time to uh, consult with, uh, ease the concerns, et cetera, et cetera, of the participants. It was really a, a ongoing sale. Of, you know, I think what most guys were looking at doing, uh, Conrad, was to win by knockout. Right. And then you put those giant 20 ounce gloves on, and that makes that somewhat challenging. So I think a lot of guys were just looking like Blackman was a takedown guy. He was a, you know, he was a tough guy and good at uh, his skill. So, uh, he had a different philosophy than guys like a JBL or somebody that were coming in looking for the knockout and, uh, those knockouts, those 20 ounce gloves were hard to come by. Let's, uh, let's mention that those knockouts with those big gloves being hard to come by something that Dave Meltzer writes about in the observer where he says that neither Dan Severin nor Ken Shamrock were allowed to enter Severin in particular wouldn't have been able to be beaten because he could take anybody down at will. And he didn't think anybody could knock Dan out with those big oversized gloves. Uh, what's the thinking in, in not including Dan Severin or Ken Shamrock? Does it ruin some of the mystique? Or was it their call? Uh, no, we, we, we thought that they would put them and give them an unfair advantage because of their background. Uh, just didn't seem like a fair fight in that respect, you know, to use a cliche, but, uh, Dan and Kenny were, they were on a different level. You know, the brawl for all was an amateur, uh, you know, type situation, novice. It was that uh, e uh, elaborate uh, tough man fight with those giant gloves that looked like a prop. Uh, so we just didn't think it was fair. And uh, they would have dominated the fight. And uh, I'd love to have seen it. It'd been fine with me, but that was not the decision made uh, by the powers that be. There were a lot of cooks in the kitchen on this damn show. Yeah. And that gets frustrating. So there were a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Uh, it was, it was seen this, this, the concept and the tournament seemed to be being rewritten as we went. And it was just, uh, not a good scenario. It just wasn't, it was awkward. Not a good scenario is I, as I said earlier, I admitted, I liked the concept before it started. It seemed like a marketable, unique bar fight. And, uh, that was different. And what you said about giving talents an opportunity, I mean, you come in there and win it, you know, you hope that you have advanced your career by your performances, 
you don't necessarily have to win the whole thing, but you certainly want to make a good showing. And uh, that's, I think that was the goal for everybody. Let's make a good showing. Let's get noticed. Maybe I can spin out of this damn crazy thing and, and uh, move on my wrestling career. Uh, but that I don't, I don't know that anybody in the brawl for it all got over. Bart Gunn was the closest thing to getting over. And he was a real good fighter. He had experience. He had a punch like a mule. He was tough. He was in, un, he couldn't intimidate him. So that surprised me a little bit. I didn't know about his, his amateur background, but the boys did. And the boys, I think, uh, as this tournament went on, uh, you know, uh, the, the, he, he became the favorite. He was a favorite of the talent because they believed that he could beat Butterbean. Yeah. And uh, they wanted to see it. So, and, and Bart was a popular guy. You know, and, and and rightfully so. He's a good man. You know, I don't think he. I'm probably not on his Christmas list, but nonetheless, I got blamed for a lot of things in that brawl. For all it was not my doing, but be that as it may, it's, that goes to the territory of being in charge of talent relations. So uh, we just we just try to roll with it. It was the shits. It was not a good concept. After we saw how it was going to play out. It was not, it had no chance of playing out good. Uh, but there were some highlights, obviously, but more often than not, it was just, it was a failure. So there's a rumor, you know, you said, uh, maybe Bart's upset with you and, and maybe you were to blame and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Uh, but that comes with the territory and talent relations, as you said. However, there was a rumor that the bracket, which is what everybody was interested in. Hey, who's making these matchups? Allegedly, the story's out there that it was a blind draw by Victor Quinones. Is that real? That you guys put names in a hat and drew it out? Is that it? I don't remember that being a, the truth. Okay. But, you, you know, I, I really don't. Now, it could have been, Conrad, but I, I don't recall that being a part of the process. Well, poor Brackus was supposed to be part of the process. You guys ran vignettes for him, and then he's going to be here on this program in a brawl for all against Savio Vega. Savio destroys him 30 to five. I mean, this guy's career at that point, he's just DOA, right? Oh, yeah. He, 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 he didn't have the aptitude, speaking of Brackus, uh, to take him farther down the road. He had a great body. You know, his wife was his biggest PR agent. Uh, she pushed for him a lot, was around the uh, headquarters a lot. I think she might have been a bodybuilder or some physical uh, fitness person. I'm not real sure. But, uh, I mean, the, he, 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 he looked great. Uh, but, but he was out of his world. My God, he was, you know, I don't know how many street fights he had, but in his lifetime, maybe none, maybe a bunch, but he didn't look like he ever had one. So, uh, yeah, he was, it was, it was tough. Uh, he was way out of his world and that's what pissed me off about this thing. As we moved along, we had guys in a tournament that weren't qualified to be there. Well, it's hard to imagine that the, uh, the blind draw story is real because we do see Hawk and draws paired up against each other. And this is right after Draws was put in the, the Legion of Doom. 
And Bart Gunn even said on King of the Ring, or I'm sorry, Dark Side of the Ring, that he didn't believe the draw was random because he was paired up with his tag team partner, Bob Holly. And uh, we get going with this second episode. I guess I should mention that whole Brockus Savio Vega thing. That was on a tape show from State College PA. And by that point, after people have seen it in week one, by the time it airs week two, it really is the talk of the business because I think behind the scenes, a lot of guys for a long time have, have probably whispered, Oh, I think I could take him in a real fight and (laughs) shoot. I'd be the champ and blah, blah, blah. Well, now we get a chance to actually see what's happening, but it's not always exciting. Like draws and Hawk go to a draw. I mean, obviously this is proof of concept. First time you've done this thing, but a draw is probably not what you're looking for in a tournament ever. No, that's the old kissing your sister finish. Yeah. As they say back in the day, uh, no, you don't, you want winners and losers. God, let's please give them a winner and a loser and not a draw. Uh, we couldn't control that. That was, that was beyond the control of the promotion. And anytime the promotion loses control of a scenario inside that squared circle, uh, you're flirting with disaster. There's a rumor that, uh, after you guys have a couple of these under your belt, you make a second approach to, uh, Dan Severin and Ken Shamrock as the story goes. And again, I wasn't there, but there is a rumor that once upon a time Shamrock was in, and then he found out his opponent would be Ron Harris. And he decided to opt out thinking, Hey, what's the upside to this? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you remember Ken Shamrock being interested? And then when, when, when told, Hey, this would be the opponent backing out, or is that all just rumor and innuendo? I never. So what we're inferring here is that Shamrock may have been intimidated to fight, uh, uh Mr. Harris. Harris. Yeah. Are you shitting me? That doesn't seem to make any sense to me whatsoever. It doesn't make any sense, Conrad, because it what didn't happen. Right. It fucking did not happen. Ken Shamrock's not afraid, afraid of a human being walking the face of the earth. And, and look, I got all the respect in the world for the Harris uh, twins. I like them. Uh, they're tough guys. They're the company men. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I just, I, again, great respect, but, Shamrock to be, uh, you know, intimidated by, by what was it? Ron Harris. Yeah. No chance. It's making, it's, it's illogical. Yeah. Now for the wrestling gossip and some of those that work behind the scenes there at that time, uh, they may have a different story to tell and, and that's fine. They must got their opinion, but to think that, uh, Shamrock was, uh, a little wary of fighting Ron Harris and all due respect to everybody involved is ridiculous. It shows you the, the, the shit stirs in the office, uh, who didn't come up with the idea, uh, who didn't contribute to the idea, uh, how, where they were. And, but God almighty, this, this thing has so many, as uh, you like to refer to the rumor and innuendo, it's just, it, it was very rumor and innuendo friendly, but it wasn't true. Shamrock would fight anybody in the world. And that was his kind of fight, punching, striking and takedowns. What the hell? He was great at it. So anyway, uh, 
that's another fallacy that didn't didn't happen wasn't true well what is true is that nobody's forced to enter the tournament and they are getting paid extra if you lose the bout it's twenty five hundred dollar bonus on your paycheck if you win it's five thousand dollars and when it's all said and done there's a seventy five thousand dollar bonus for the winner um I mean, listen, that seems like that's a pretty substantial payday, 75 grand, but at the I same agree. time, it was you know. a substantial payday Conrad. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it was a good payday. It was a good add on to your, to your regular pay. And, uh, so it wasn't like they weren't fighting for nothing or slave wages. Right. Uh, you know, they, they, but they were incentivized. Hey, and, and the number was 75,000. Everybody wanted that check. We know what's coming up. It's uh Bart Gunn versus Bob Holly. And Meltzer would say the match started with the announcement that Jim Cornette had resigned as manager of the team in protest of the fight. But in reality, Cornette has decided to quit as a manager legitimately based on the camera work with Holly's facials. And at least some of the match was a work Gunn had a slight edge in the first round with the crowd heavily booing Gunn easily won the second round, which the fans booed even more. And stunned Holly both in the second and third round, but never knocked him down en route to what should have been a 15 and 0 victory. Other wrestlers that have been involved in this categorized it to a point as a shoot, but when friends have fought, they're going out of their way to not hurt each other with punches. Although with those big gloves, it wouldn't be easy. Uh, talk to me about that. I mean, there's a suggestion here where, I mean, Meltzer even straight up says it was suspicious at times and clearly ended with a worked angle. Do you remember any of this being a work like this Bob Holly Bart gun stuff? Was that a work? If it was, they did it off the record between each other. I got you. It wasn't established to be that way. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of this. This, uh, there are elements of the brawl for all that were a work. And maybe that's my, my own naivete. Maybe it's just me being naive, but, uh, I, I hadn't heard that. The, the money, the, it, to, you know, the, the, you win, you win five grand. That's a pretty good, nice work for a pro wrestler, especially in that era. So uh, I was not a, if, if they did do some working, they, Minnie Holly and Bart, then they did it on their own agenda. I have no knowledge that that was even the case. I know that the agents involved producers, whatever, uh, I know that they would not have gone in business for themselves. In my opinion, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, and just let this thing go Two very tough guys. Bob Holly's one of the toughest guys I ever worked around. And, uh, but Bart Gunn was just, he was a big, talented, hard hitting guy. And I just can't see, he wanted those checks. And, uh, you know, if you could run the table, the cumulative total of those checks is pretty God dang impressive. What else is impressive is pro wrestling crate.com. This episode is brought to you in part by pro wrestling crate.com monthly mystery crates for diehard wrestling fans. If you're looking for exclusive wrestling collectibles every month, sign up for pro wrestling crate.com boxes ship worldwide and include brand new merchandise from AEW wrestlers and WWE legends. Every premium box includes two t-shirts, one micro brawler figure, one autograph tape by 10, one lapel pin, and more 
They started just $9.95. Think about that. The plan starts at $9.95. The perfect gift for any wrestling fan. Visit ProWrestlingCrate.com today. So listen, uh, Dan Severin is going to defeat Kama Mustafa. We know him these days as the godfather, and I guess from this point forward in his career, he would be the godfather. But it's a first-round contest. Um, We know that Dan Severin is actually a last-minute replacement for Sean Stasiak. It's apparent pretty quickly that Dan doesn't know all the rules. Once he uh, takes Kama down, he's trying to pin or submit him. Maybe that's just the old MMA training kicking in. Yeah. The next set of tapings, we see Scorpio defeat Ron Harris. So it didn't wind up being Ken Shamrock. It was Scorpio. And we know that Steve Williams would destroy Pierre. Now, Williams has taken on a man who we know these days is PCO, who's operating with one freaking eye. Yeah. I mean, this. Uh, how the hell did he get in a tournament? How the hell do you put a one eyed man in a, in, a, in a combat environment? It's, uh, Ill, it's totally illogical totally unnecessary but pierre was motivated by the same thing everybody else was money yeah well uh scorpio and eight ball are shown in edited form uh again it's a tape show so we see it but it's edited a little bit and the quarterfinals are announced as steve blackman taking on bradshaw savio vega with a bye dan severin taking on bar gun and williams versus scorpio so the bracket is changing here, and I would assume it's in the interest of ratings or entertainment or, or whatever. But when they make this change, boy, the world changes for real. It's Dr. Death and Bart Gunn who are going to be most impacted. Bart Gunn knocks out Dr. Death in 52 seconds to the third round. Meltzer would call it a huge upset and among the biggest shocks in recent wrestling history. He would say, they redid the bracketing, and I've got no idea why. And have no idea what the new brackets are. But Gunn, who was a tough man contestant in the past, fought a much smarter fight in beating the tournament favorite. And Meltzer is the person who who sort of puts this narrative out there that has maybe followed you around ever since, Jim. Quote, the plan was for Williams to win this tournament and set him up as a challenger for Austin. And as the UFC has learned, nobody can predict shoot fights. Right. Especially with the strange rules that this one has. Um, so that's where the, the whole narrative comes out that, Hey, uh, this was a, a vehicle for doc. Talk to us about that. Like what's going through your mind. You're on the headsets. You see this happen. This is your friend. This is a guy you got high hopes for. You're hoping he wrestles your other friend. This is his big break in America after having all that success in Japan. And it all changes just like that. It's just shit disturbers, Conrad, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, we, we thought Doc had a good chance to win it based on his background and his takedown ability. Doc came out wanting to fight as far as a slug. And so he took himself right out of his element. If he had stayed in his ground in his ground attack and, and utilizing takedowns, single legs, double legs, things like that, he, he might have been able to survive a very powerful competitor in Bart Gunn. Uh, but it, it didn't work out that way. You know, Bart Gunn's abilities were underestimated. Uh, uh, he was a tough bastard, had a great left hand. He hit like a horse. He knew what he was doing. And so Doc stayed in Bart Gunn's wheelhouse, 
much to the doc's chagrin later on because uh, he got beat. But I, I, that uh, whole, it's the funny part about that is, I don't know why this rumor is so prevalent because it's just not true. We didn't have it fixed. It wasn't fixed. Did we think Doc would do well because we thought he would rely on his takedowns and he'd start scoring those points on those takedowns? But he went another direction. He got mano a mano and, and wanted, to, wanted to box, wanted to slug more specifically, and it didn't work out for him. But the work deal and JR was this, and, you know, it's just a good story, just not true. But in, we've learned in pro wrestling, thanks to the insiders who run their mouth, you know, not one of those guys ever came to me and said, are we, is this what we're doing? Are we, did we rig this thing for doc or whatever? No, we had hopes that he would do well in it because it would create a new opponent for Stone Cold, which is what we're all, we're always looking for new opponents for Stone Cold. He had gone through the roster very, uh, uh, violently very successfully so it just it was uh I, i've lived with that since then it's just not true and and you know i, I got i used to really bother me but then i got to where i didn't give a shit because i knew it wasn't true so that's where i stand on that deal you know would we have liked for doc to have had a successful run through the tournament and sure. create a new adversary for stone cold hell yeah you know, I'd like to put Doc, if he'd have won it, with Jim Cornette to do promos and, and to be his guy against uh, Stone Cold. Because that would have been good. It would have helped Doc. It would have helped Corny. And uh, it, would, it would have set Dr. Death up as a viable adversary for, for the biggest star that we ever had who needed new opponents. That's the motivation. But as far as predetermining it and, and manipulating it and all that stuff, Total bullshit. It was guys making excuses. It's guys making, you know, getting themselves a, you know, Bart was a popular guy. And, you know, he had had a nice run there, the smoking guns and and, and all that stuff. And, and was very, very well liked and rightfully so. He's a good dude. Uh, but uh, to think that he was part of a conspiracy or he wasn't part of it, but that the, his match or he, he, he and Doc was a conspiracy is so pro wrestling bullshit. It's not even close to being true, but it makes a great story. I, uh, I feel bad for him all these years later and he's unfortunately no longer with us. Um, let's talk about doc a little more, but before we do, I want to mention that Meltzer at the time is talking about if they decide to go forward with this sort of concept in the future. They're going to have to examine the wins and losses and what worked and what didn't work with this one. And he even goes on to specifically say this about doc. This isn't to say Williams is dead because that's stupid in this day and age when you can rehabilitate anyone with a few wins and most fans forget everything they've seen within a few weeks due to the sheer volume of television product. But has some of the lost luster been taken off of him as the toughest man in wrestling? which was probably the key thing he was going to be marketed as going against Austin. Absolutely no question. And I wanted to ask you because, I mean, you grew up 
in the biz with Bill Watts as a mentor. And I think he used to have a policy. If you lose in a, in a bar fight, you're out of town pretty quickly. Yeah. I know the business has changed, but was this a, a case of maybe it affected doc's psyche and the way he felt about the business or just his standing with the fans or was it the way the office or the locker room perceived him? Uh, the latter, the latter, I think the office and the locker room saw that we blew our opportunity because Doc didn't have the credibility. You know, he also, did he tear his quad? Yes, he's hurt in the process, yes. He got hurt during the match and continued to try to fight to no avail. You know, the old, you remember the old expression, a one-legged man in an ass-kicking contest doesn't do well. That's true. And that's what he was. He was a one-legged man trying to avoid these, these sledgehammer blows uh, from Bart Gunn. And then he's, he tears his quad, so now he's a setting duck. The old one-legged man in an ass-kicking contest does not do well. He doesn't make his way to the pay window, and neither did Doc here in the situation. Again, there there's certainly an opportunity to, to rehab his image. You know, you could start a new Goldberg streak with him or whatever. But now, to your point, he's hurt. So now, I mean, as you know, in these days, if you don't work, you don't get paid. And, and so now Doc has suffered a torn hamstring. He's dislocated his knee. Savio Vega has um, hurt one of the vertebrae in his neck. Hawk has a broken nose. Blackman has ruptured a tendon in his knee. I mean, this is, if the rumor is true that this was an idea that Russo thought would shut JBL up, boy, there's a lot of collateral damage in the process. Oh, yeah, and the tab, Conrad, the money, you know, to reattach a quad and do the surgery is a major issue, major issue. And that's what we were faced with medical bills mounting by the week. Uh, so I don't see how anybody based on looking at the tab of the, the doc, the medical tab, uh, could look at this, uh, promotion, this event and say it had any, it had any redeeming social qualities. It did before it started. It was intriguing. It was unique. It was different, but man, oh man, the, as you said, the collateral damage was just horrible. And the other thing too, it hurt these guys physically, but it also hurt a lot of guys mentally. Yeah. They had to re they had to reestablish their self-confidence, uh, their self-esteem. It just was a piss poor promotion, uh, that we all learned from as we went along in it. And I'll always go to my, I'll go to my grave saying that it was a, it was a good idea on paper, a good idea before the tournament started. And then it went to hell straight to hell. Don't stop at the border. They went straight into the depths of hell on this event. Let's, uh, let's talk about doc again for a minute here. I mean, you mentioned, Hey, it's not just the physical damage, but it's the mental as well. I mean, we know that this is going to cost thousands of dollars on contracts and injuries, but maybe millions of dollars in angles. I mean, Dr. Death's probably never going to make a bunch of money in the WWF again after this. And no, he's over he, his career ended in that tournament. Yeah. And here's, you said about, you don't get paid. If you won't work, you don't get paid. <clears throat> Let's remember, uh, those guys were, most of those guys were on downside guarantees, right? So they're all going to get paid, even if you're hurt. Uh, that's just how you do business. 
and you know, we put these guys in this damn thing and they got hurt. So when they were off healing, uh, they were getting their weekly checks. So at least they had uh, some salvation in that respect, but, uh, you were, you're still getting your check every week. Uh, and you know, I think doc was making about 300 grand, something like that is in, in that neighborhood. No more than that. I don't think. And, uh, it, it just was horrible, Connie. I mean, I, I get sick in my stomach thinking about how so many of us thought that that was going to be a winner. And some people, I believe, took a little bit of joy in uh, what they perceived to be my consternation uh, regarding uh, the, the tournament, as it all surrounded by Dr. Death. You know, the guys knew I, I was in a Mid-South when Doc started with Cowboy. Uh, they knew I had a relationship with him. But I had a relationship with a lot of guys. That was part of my job. But some people took, uh, they took, they, they were amused that I was uh, so despondent, thinking it was only a, I was only despondent because of uh, Doc. But what about Savio? What about Blackman? What about you know, broken noses? These are just bullshit deals. It, they're, they're injuries that take guys off TV yep. and, and send them home. And I don't know who's helping who when you send somebody home. And that's what we were having to do because of the injuries. By uh, March of 99, uh, Doc is completely out. His last match will be a shotgun Saturday night, two minute and 29 second affair against Tiger Ali Singh on March 30th, 1999. Uh, the day before he would be, uh, in a losing effort against hardcore Holly for the hardcore title. Uh, and then I think he did a Sunday night heat a couple of weeks prior to that in a handicap match of all things against the Hardy boys. But most of the time, man, after this, he's working Indies with you guys permission, WWF co-opted stuff. Uh, but just a handful of squash matches and, and that's really it for doc and <coughs> I'm curious, you know, what are your conversations like with him in this era? Are you just trying to be a cheerleader and cheer him up and get him to pull the nose up on this thing just mentally? Yeah, you just try to figure a way to get the confidence back in him. And, you know, he felt like he's such a failure. And that was a that was an ongoing issue to discuss and to, to listen. But, uh, you know, I love Doc. You know, he was such a sweetheart of a guy for being such a badass, And I think he got in this tournament thinking he was going to win. His background was such that, uh, he could take down anybody he wanted to take down. But like I'm saying, his issue was certainly, uh, one that he took the wrong path as far as strategy was concerned to try to beat Bart Gunn. You're not going to beat Bart Gunn punching, striking. You're just not. And doc had no, I mean, Doc, you've been in bar fights, but generally, as people can identify with, uh, he won bar fights quickly. Generally, with a big punch and then taking somebody down and just wearing their ass out. Taking somebody down was his forte. That's why he became a, a four-time, legitimate four-time Division One All-American heavyweight wrestler at a school in Oklahoma that was known for its amateur wrestling program. He missed uh, going to the Olympics, Bruce Bumgarner beating three to two, or he would have been on the Olympic team. He being Doc, pronoun boy, 
So, uh, yeah, it was on, it was ongoing dialogue. He was worried about what he was going to do. <clears throat> That's why we tried to make it as easy for him as we could about taking bookings and earning new paydays. So it just uh, was a disaster, total disaster and not just one dimensional disaster. It affected a lot of guys in a very negative way. I would have loved to have seen an alternate universe, how you guys could have brought doc in without brawl for all. And yep. I mean, a lot of people, as you said, have even thought this was designed for him and now he's out, but right. man, what a talent relations nightmare. You've got to try to keep this thing going. Like we've started this tournament, at least for fans, they want to see it finish and pay off. So draws is put back in the tournament, even though it was a draw and he's going to take on Savio Vega. If Vega can do it, cause he's hurt. Mark Merrow is back in because Blackman had an injury and Dan Severin has decided to pull out. So Godfather gets put back in after Dan pulled out. This is just silly. Godfather does go on to defeat Scorpio and uh, Danny Hodge is now one of the judges. Um, when you think about it, man, in hindsight, Vince Russo putting together a tournament of real fights where Danny Hodge is a judge. That just sounds weird, does it not? Yeah, a little. Yeah, it does. The ongoing changes and tweaks uh, watered down the tournament, made it almost like a, I don't know. Uh, we just weren't serious about it. You know, all those substitutions and all this other stuff. It was. It, it fell apart. It came apart at the seams, and I think all we were trying to do is hold it together and get to the get to the end of the road because we knew at the end of the road it was going to be the winner against Butterbean. We knew that, but we didn't certainly didn't think that the uh, the, the clusterfuck that it became was ever going to happen, but it did, and it happened again and again. And I just thought every time it happened, there's more embarrassment for us. Uh, we should mention that Godfather is going to come out with, uh, some ladies here for a match with Vader and he's going to offer Vader all three for one night. If he doesn't wrestle him, Vader accepts the offer, but as he's leaving, Bart gun knocks out Vader with a left. There's a pull apart with Godfather that sets up their match. But during the same segment, Bart gun is yelling at you saying that you're making excuses for Williams losing with the torn hamstring and not giving him credit for knocking out Williams, just like he told you I knew blah, blah, blah. So I'm sure the combination of this being scripted and what was written in the observer, that's how this legend of, Oh, it's JR's boy. That's, that's the reason it's persisted all this time. No. Oh, probably Bart trying to show his personality, which he was overshadowed personality wise by Billy Gunn when they were a tag team. Uh, so I think he was just trying to step away from his uh, box, as it were. And uh, I had no issues with him cutting promo on me, but it did lead to a lot of misinformation. And again, uh, you know, I took a lick on that deal. And that's where it goes. Uh, it didn't kill me. I'm still here, still doing this show, thank God. And, uh, but he was just trying to get over Conrad. I mean, it's that simple. He was simply trying to get over and create a new image for himself, which he needed to do what he was doing. What he mean Bart was doing was on the money. 
So uh, I had no issues there. It, it, but it did create a little uh, storm of controversy and all that shit. So, uh, you know, you live to fight another day, so to speak. No pun intended. Uh, we had mentioned Draz is going to crush Savio Vega. Savio's not 100% here, and uh, Draz wins 25 0. So, a uh, pretty one sided affair. Mark Gunn is going to knock out Godfather 18 seconds into the third round. Um, I mean, the legend of Bart just continues to grow. And unfortunately, Godfather is hurting his fight. He's going to tear his calf muscle, tear some uh, knee ligaments, tear his hamstring. He's going to break his foot. He legitimately has to be helped to the back. I mean, it is a, a brutal deal here. But maybe the most brutal thing that we saw was the officiating between Bradshaw and Mark Merrow. I think most people would assume, well, Golden Gloves, Mark Merrow's going to win this. Belter would call it the closest and most heated match. But really, the issue is Bradshaw's going for a takedown. Merrow's holding onto the ropes, which should be illegal, but it isn't. The referee, Jack Dunn, calls for a break, and Merrow lets go of the rope, but Bradshaw doesn't break the hold and finishes the takedown, and referee Jack Dunn calls it a takedown, which Meltzer took great issue with and called ludicrous officiating. But Merrow wins the round, so it's 15-15. They go to uh, one round overtime. Same story. Bradshaw gets a takedown. Mero is winning the round standing, so it should be a tie, 20 to 20. But at this point, we don't want to announce a draw. So we announced that Bradshaw won, and Mero is legitimately pissed. Uh, what do you remember of this snafu? I mean, at this point, you're probably just ready to have it over with, so I get we're going to call a winner. But man, I could understand how Mero, with his legitimate background, is upset. Wait a minute, I didn't lose. How am I out of this, right? Yeah, he had a good he had a good bitch, no doubt about that. He many Mark Mero. Uh, well, it got you know it it, it just was awkward, and uh, Mero didn't get a fair deal there. And here's the thing, too, Conrad. Not only were the fighters. Uh, uh, you know, not only were they uh, uh, not ready for prime time brawl for it all, neither were the officials. That's why Hodge got replaced. They were worried that you know, at his age, he would not be able to hold up. He would have made a decent. He would have made decent decisions because he was from that world. I mean, he was a national Golden Gloves boxing champion. Uh, you know, the same year that Muhammad Ali was. Uh, uh, the champion in the heavyweight division. Hodge was the champion in the light heavyweight division. He had qualifications. But Jack Doan, and I like Jack Doan was a good pro wrestling referee. But he didn't have no come here from Sickle about officiating a shoot fight. But, you know, maybe we should have gone outside the envelope and got somebody in there that actually you know, maybe big John McCarthy or somebody like that, <clears throat> that, uh, we could count on, but we didn't, we stayed in the house, probably the cheaper route to go. You give Jack Dunn a little, you know, 50 bucks or a hundred bucks or whatever it is. It didn't matter. He still wasn't going to be able to, uh, you know, uh, officiate this thing. I don't want to say fairly, but confidently. Right. So his incompetence cost Mark Merrow the win. 
quite honestly. It was well, it was awful. I guess that that the JBL uh, heat was some. Uh, as you're telling the story about Russo, uh, was valid. I guess that's all I can say. It feels valid when Bradshaw fights draws. They go to a decision, and if you watch the Dark Side of the Ring episode, almost everyone involved in this felt like draws won. Ultimately, it's a decision where Bradshaw is announced as the winner, and the crowd even boos the decision. Uh, this is from the semifinals in Des Moines, Iowa. And uh, I think a lot of people assume they were trying to set him up to get knocked the hell out in the main event. I think you're right. And if this really was a vehicle designed to uh, quote unquote humble Bradshaw, according to Russo, and he's tired of all this bully talk and blah, blah, blah. Well, it happens August 24th in Philadelphia. The finals are here. It's Bart Gunn and Bradshaw. And it lasts all of 42 seconds. Bart <laughs> Gunn gets 75 grand. Bradshaw's going to get 25,000. Quote, there were again a lot of people calling, thinking this match was a work. I couldn't say, except there were those suspicious among the boys, as well as after the fact, which is natural. The funny thing is, years ago, pro in pro wrestling, people thought they were able to con the public into thinking the prearranged stuff is real. Now they can't even fool the public when real things happen. Uh, in the end, we know that Bart Gunn is a legit badass and he's going to win this tournament here, but I'm curious. I know you said the plan all along was to face Butterbean. I know that seems like a fun attraction, if you will, at WrestleMania, but had that not happened, couldn't this have been a real opportunity for Bart Gunn? Like if what the plan was or the hope was, I know it wasn't the plan, but if the hope was, Hey, uh, doc could win and then go on to be a, a top guy that could have worked for Bart. And I think the narrative is certainly out there that that was the plan. And you've debunked it many times on this program that no, that wasn't the plan. I guess my question in hindsight is, do you believe that if Doc would have won, he too would have faced Butterbean at WrestleMania. Yeah. Yeah, I think Butterbean was our guy. He had name identity, he had boxing skills. And what he had uh, within his boxing skills is the ability to knock people's ass out. People love knockouts. So we were working to get somebody in there that's going to do a, have a knockout finish because it should be more exciting. Uh, but you know, it's just hard to say going back in time. When I think of Doc, I don't think of this event. It besmirches his yes. reputation and, and his success in Japan was overwhelming. Uh, he had an international reputation. And and I was I spoke at his funeral. I'll tell you, I, I think more about speaking at his funeral and seeing him in that casket. I didn't even recognize it because he cancer had drained everything uh that uh that's what i think about doc my last image of him was in a casket in colorado i don't give a fuck about the brawl for it all i really don't when you told me we we're going to do this show today about the brawl for all i cringed wow because it brings back so many t terrible memories uh and you know a lot of guys had to start over and rebuild their reputation 
you couldn't go back in commentary and say, well, uh, so-and-so's here. You know, of course, remember the last time we saw him, he got knocked out. You can't get somebody over that way. So you had to kind of put that brawl for all in the, in the, in the back burner. Cause that you, you can't use failure in the brawl for all to build a talent. Well, I, uh, you got to set yourself up for success every day. And I know you and I do that with a little scoop of AG one. That's all yeah. it is. One scoop and a glass of water every day. It's like you're all in one nutritional platform. And it gives you 75 different high quality vitamins, probiotics, and whole food source superfoods, all the ingredients you need to set yourself up for success. They're going to support energy and focus and strength and clarity. And it was created like way long ago, like 13 years ago. And man, my wife has been using it. It feels like almost that long, almost as long as I've known her, she's been using AG1. She got me on it at the start of the pandemic. She wanted to strengthen our immune system. We both start our day with it every day. She feels like she is more productive at the gym. I know I'm more productive at the office. I have more clarity. I don't have that afternoon crash. And if you want to feel unstoppable, maybe if you hate taking pills or vitamins, maybe you're looking for a supplement that actually tastes great. Maybe you need help with your focus or your digestion or your energy or your clarity. Man, this is it. It's a daily multivitamin with minerals and pre and probiotics for your gut health, all the adaptogens and a greens blend, literally all in just one scoop of powder that you then put, I put mine in a bottle of water and boom, I'm good to go. Like it doesn't get any easier than this. Think of it as like your all in one nutritional insurance and don't just take ours or our word for it. Mine and Jim's here. Go look up these guys reviews. They've got so many. I'm talking thousands of five-star reviews. And if you're looking for a simpler, effective investment for your health, try AG1 and get five free AG1 travel packs and a free one-year supply of vitamin D with your first purchase. Just go to drinkag1.com slash JR. That's drinkag1.com slash JR. And by the way, I want to mention before we get out of here that we are helping people save money left and right over at savewithconrad.com. If you can hear my voice and you're carrying a credit card balance, what are you waiting for, man? I can help you get rid of all that credit card debt just like that. And you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. But if you're stuck making the minimum payment, you know that you're doing yourself damage. I mean, when are you ever going to pay that thing off? And how about this? I've talked to some folks who say, well, I've got a really great interest rate right now. I don't want to let go of that. So I'm just going to keep making the minimum payment on my 28% credit cards. What? No, nah, man, listen, all that interest, not only is it sky high, it's not tax deductible. Whereas the interest on your mortgage is tax deductible. Why not restructure all of your debt into one low monthly payment? We just helped somebody do this last week. They saved $681 a month and they got to skip their next two house payments. You can do this too. pay your house off faster, get rid of all your credit card debt and get a cheaper monthly payment. And oh yeah, how's this? No payments until October at savewithconrad.com. And hey, we've got an A-plus rating with the BBB. As a matter of fact, over a 1,000 five-star reviews ourselves at conradreviews.com. Get yourself a quick quote right now at savewithconrad.com. So, Jim, let's start to put a button on this thing. As if this wasn't enough, we've we've spent all this time on Monday Night Raw dedicated to the Brawl for All. Yeah. Maybe it didn't go exactly the way we wanted. We're going to present him with a giant Golden Glove Award trophy to Bart Gunn. 
but it's not on Monday night raw. It's on shotgun Saturday night and you present it to him. This is just not good. Fair to no, say? not good at all. It shows you where the, where McMahon's mindset was. He looked at this thing as an epic failure. He was seeing the, the medical bills as well as I, and he saw that we didn't get anybody over. Very few people believed uh, that Mark Gunn was the guy. Was this going to make him a star? And, you know, we, and I hope, I wish that it would have, because he was reliable, he was tough, he was durable, uh, all those things. Uh, but it, it, he wasn't the guy. Uh, you know, he hadn't gotten over yet. Uh, he was a good dude, but you got to be perceived as special. So, uh, and he, he just wasn't there. He was a, if you're looking at it in a baseball analogy, Conrad, uh, Bart was like a six or seven hole hitter. He was just not the guy that you're going to put in a cleanup position or at the top of the batting order. He didn't get there. I wish he had it. And people are not going to believe that. Oh, JR still hot at Bart Gunn. I was never hot at Bart Gunn. That's another rumor and innuendo. You might want to ask Bruce about that because he seems to know all the shit. So, you know, I, I was never angry at Bart Gunn. Why would I be angry at a guy going out and killing people? That's what we do. Yeah. It doesn't and, make and any it's, sense. It's illogical. So, uh, it was, uh, I'm glad we're getting to the end of this goddamn journey well let me mention this too you know when we're talking about you know the the narrative that that you're the guy pushing him down the card or whatever i just want to remind everybody once he knocks out bradshaw and wins that happens august 24th 1998 he starts working independence he's going to japan he's not even back on wwe tv until february and that happens uh, where he loses to Bob Holly, February 16th. And the following month, he's at WrestleMania and loses to Butterbean. So you would think, hey, he, we've, we've proven he's the biggest badass in the locker room and creative has nothing for him. Right. I think Russo just wasn't interested in trying to come up with something for him because Russo gets a lot of credit for giving storylines to everyone, not just the top guys, but all over the card. Everyone has a story. But now after we have, it feels like a ready-made natural story here. Creative has nothing for him. Or do you think that's a Vince McMahon call, not a Vince Russo call? I think that's a McMahon call. I think Vince saw the failure of the brawl for all concept playing out before his very eyes. That's why a lot of those matches became uh, videotaped. We could shorten them up. And uh, so Vince was not on board at all after he saw how this brawl for all was being processed. Uh, and through the process with Bart being so dominant, you would think he would have a better chance of getting over. That was our hope to get somebody over out of this goddamn calamity. And, uh, uh, he, he just didn't for whatever reason, it's going to sound real sour grapes on my part. And I apologize if it does, uh, it's not meant to be, he just didn't have the charisma to connect with the audience that would put him in main events. And we thought as the process went along, well, maybe he'll be, uh, he'll be our guy, but the audience never 
it seemed to connect. And I think that's what Vince saw, what Vince felt. And that's why this thing was expedited somewhat with these videotape things, as I mentioned. Uh, but we all were, there was a lot of buildup and a lot of anticipation for the final, for the Butterbean Bark Gun match. There was some interest there, but it took us a long while and it was expensive interest because you go back and look at all those dudes we talked about yeah. that are being sitting home, getting paid and getting medical bills paid. It was not good. How do you, how do you, how can anybody hear this show? Think about some of the things that we've talked about Conrad, you and I, and perceive that the brawl for it all was a great idea. Nobody thinks that. Nobody thinks that it was a great idea before it started. Yeah. I'll, I'll hand Russo that without question. He deserves that. But none of us perceived how disastrous uh, this thing was going to be. It was a real calamity. I didn't want well, to use that word all morning calamity. Well, I had good use of it too. As a reminder, when we do see Bart back on TV, he's going to be challenging hardcore Holly for the hardcore title, as I mentioned. But that match features the return of Dr. Death in a kabuki mask, throwing Bart off the stage through a table. And I know what you're wondering. Well, what they followed up with? Nothing. Six weeks later, he got knocked the hell out against Butterbean, and that's kind of all she wrote. That's the end of Bart Gunn. Brawl for All never takes place again. It's almost never even mentioned again. And as the legend goes, Jason Bayless, a listener to our show, he uh, writes in, on Austin's podcast, Billy Gunn said he told Bruce Russo and JR in advance not to put Bart in it because he'd knock everybody out. And, uh, I mean, listen, clearly this was a bad idea. It didn't work out for a variety of reasons. Thankfully, we never saw it again. But something you will see again over and over and over is jrsbbq.com. Because when you <laughs> all-purpose seasoning, you're going to get hooked. You're going to use it on all your protein. I know I do, and you will too. They've got main event mustard. They've got Chipotle ketchup, two types of sauce, the hot sauce, the jerky, and now collectibles, something for everybody over at jrsbbq.com. We're sure trying, Conrad, to take care of all of our friends and customers. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be signing some. I'm in Norman now in my office here in Norman, my home. And uh, I, uh, I'm i going to be signing a bunch of items. So we're just trying to diversify it a little bit, give the fans something they can't get everywhere else. Some of these, uh, uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of the word I'm looking for. Collectibles. Yeah, the collectibles and just expand what we're doing. For example, I've got, I signed a bunch of the new action figures. Mm -hmm. Pretty cool. And so we got those and classic trading cards and, and, and they're all signed. Uh, so we, we, we're working hard uh, to make things happen. And uh, jrsbarbecue.com doesn't close. It's open 24-7. And as I have often been uh, reminded, it doesn't cost a damn thing to look. Go take a look, jrsbbq.com, and take a look at JR's merch. It's grillingjrts.com. There's lots of fun stuff over there, including some... Uh, uh, tumblers and, and, and JR plushies and t-shirts and hats and visors. By the way, the easiest way to support the show is to go like us on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. It's grilling JR on YouTube. Check out our show online. Uh, we've got at JR grilling on Twitter and Instagram, grilling JR over on Facebook. 
And JR's pretty doggone active on Twitter. Hit him up at jrsbbq.com. Next week, Jim, we'll be talking about your transition, if you will. Uh, talent relations in 2005. Johnny Ace, the good, the bad, the ugly, what's changing and what's happening in your real life and so much more. Uh, it'll be a happier topic than today. Fair to say? Maybe. Oh, okay. Well, we'll Maybe. see you week, right here. No, okay. it's going to be, there was, there, there was a lack of communications, what I perceive to be a lack of respect. Uh, and you know, I'd only built the most talented roster in the history of pro wrestling, along with a lot of other great people, Jerry Briscoe, obviously, and others that were involved in the recruiting and so forth. Uh, but all of a sudden I'm out. And I'm out with no reason. And, you know, looking back at the guys we signed and the roster, how the roster was comprised, I just felt like it wasn't fair. I should have been at least given a heads up. And that didn't happen. So it wasn't a happy time. So I'm glad that we're doing two shows in a row that, for me personally, are nothing but giant pains in the ass. <laughs> I'm so happy we get to do that. And we'll do it next week. Hey, look, it's uh, poor me, right? I made a lot of money working there, and I had a great time. Vince taught me a lot, but he also taught me how to not do some things, and this is one of them. So we'll we'll chat about it. Can't wait. Looking forward to it next week. Hey, by the way, Conrad, uh, I, I'm uh, closer because of my seeing Dr. Tripp. If you do a Google search of who he is, you'll see that he uh, actually – beat uh one of the gracies in a sambo fight sambo and uh doc is a tough guy and has fought all over the world and he's been a chiropractor for a long time and working on athletes which which eliminates me in the beginning but bottom line is he knows where the issues are and i'm so damn sore today from from the treatments and i got another one here in about an hour so uh, i'm trying to get well i i hope and i think and this is not official, but uh, Tony Khan and I have talked about uh, what, what am I going to do going forward. And it looks like, nothing. again, nothing official, but it looks like I'll have a shot at getting back uh, on uh, collision on Saturdays. And that's what uh, it seems to be my destination. That could change. And uh, I just know that it's going to be a huge lifestyle change for me because those uh, shows are live on Saturday night. Guess what else is on Saturday? Football. Oh, you football, baby. So I got to, I'm I'm going to make the ultimate sacrifice. I'm going to, I'm going to have to DVR my games and uh, it's going to, it's going to restrict how many games I go to live. As we talk right now, I'm three miles from the stadium. I love it here. I've even thought about using Jacksonville as my secondary home, which it hasn't been because of my doctors down there and, uh, and, and stay and coming back to Oklahoma and spending most of my time here because I've got good doctors and all that good stuff. Connie, you know, it's important at our, at my age, you've got to plan for health issues. And even though I'm feeling a lot better, my voice is better, my energy's better, 
I'm blessed to, to have this level of health. You know, I, I was out with Coach Switzer, and I sent that tweet out with Coach Switzer, and uh, he's in his 80s, sharp as a tack. And uh, then uh, Toby Keese battling cancer. You know, he's had, as I said earlier, he's had radiation treatments. Like I had 22 of them. No fun. And it leaves a devastating wound for like for my leg, for example, my left ankle. But Toby's battling this, this shit. He's lost a lot of weight. He says he's feeling better. He's cancer free. So I would suggest we may have had a cocktail or two, uh, toasting our fact that we're both cancer free. Love that. So, yeah, it's good. So it was a fun, fun night. I needed it. I was around people that like me that want me to be around. You know, it's like Coach Venables came up to me last night and said, do you need some more swag? you need some more gear? I said, of course I do. <laughs> Wrestling people like free shit. <laughs> and so uh, it's just uh, kind of being home. And my daughters are 100 miles away. And that's become a bigger priority to me. Our cannabis farm is evolving. We hope to open up uh, in September. So I'll keep everybody apprised of that. And uh, so... Life is really good, but you know, Conrad, there's, it's like asking you to move out of Huntsville. It's home, man. Yeah. You got friends there. You got favorite places you'd like to eat. You get your buddies you want to go out and have a beer with. And at 71, I need days like that. Yes. You know, I need days like that. And I, you know, Conrad also thought <clears throat> that my, uh, and I'll make this quick. I thought that, uh, I was, uh, I tripped on my, CPAP cord on that last tumble I took. And then there were people that were calling me, man, you need to get, you know, you got to, something's, something's wrong. You can't be falling that much. I think of my sciatic went out on me. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I just lost, and I, cause that had happened. I had, I had lost control more than once, uh, with my sciatic going out and just losing the control of my legs. And thank God, I think I'm past that now. But uh, we just live to fight another day. Thank God for the wrestling fans. I got one of the biggest fans. I got 1.7 million Twitter followers. That's a big family, Connie. And I got friends like you that I can't replace that I feel blessed to have. So uh, we're all doing well here. And, um, and I appreciate everybody's support. And I'm very grateful, very, very grateful, uh, their kindness and the empathy they have in my situation. So we're going to get through it. I'm going to get back on TV and doing my thing. I'd love to do. Hey, I, I think collision fits my skill set. You know, I, if I, if I could have called that uh, CM Punk Samoa Joe match, I'd have been happy as a, you know, three peckered goat. Oh, wow. That's a new one for me. That's, and it's three peckers. Yeah. That sounds like, uh, sounds like a lot. Uh, man, I'm so glad to hear you're doing well. I appreciate that update right here at the end. Can't wait to see you back on TV. But you know where you can see JR next week, right here on Grilling JR. It's the voice of wrestling, Mr. Jim Ross. Enjoy AEW, everybody, and uh, wait for my return because I am coming back. We're going to kick some ass. I'll be rejuvenated. I'll be excited. And, and I'm glad that uh, you guys are following us and you care because we care about you, old Conrad and I. So from one Hall of Famer to the other, thanks for joining us here today and we'll see you next week on grilling jr <laughs> <laughs> the voice of wrestling <laughs>
Love you, Connie. Love you too, man. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much. Hey, guys. Tony Schiavone. Need to call a timeout real quick. Wanted to tell your listeners what I've been telling what happened when listeners for a while now about all the cool things happening over on adfreeshows.com. The debut of Tuesday with the Taskmaster is here, exclusively on Adfree Shows. Kevin Sullivan shares stories of his 50-plus years in the business, including the night the business changed forever. The night he turned heel, he stayed at my house. His agent came. I had a three-bedroom house at the time on the beach, and I wouldn't let the agent have a room. I gave Hulk a room, and we didn't leave till the first match was in the ring. We got in his limo and drove down. I was so afraid someone was going to change change his mind. And I've heard a lot of things that it might have been Sting, it might have been Big V. I didn't have a second choice. It had to be Hulk. On a new edition of The False Finish, Conrad is joined by none other than Glacier as he breaks down how the Glacier character came to be and the memorable vignettes leading up to his debut. I enjoyed doing the vignettes. Uh, I felt like it was um, a chance for me to show off that martial arts side uh, that I had had, you know, and it was something I was very passionate about. And now, yeah, you know, my two loves of pro wrestling and martial arts were being combined together. So, so I was all in. That's just a small taste of what we've got waiting for you. With four levels to choose from, see for yourself why Ed Free Shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now at edfreeshows.com. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.